Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your hosts, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello everybody and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for just about everything horror including a new subcategory this week, which I'm excited to cover after Brandon teased it. We are your hosts. <laughs> my name is Justin. And my name is Brandon. Welcome to the show. Yes, hi. Welcome. Yeah, I'm excited. You uh, did a big lead-up about how we hadn't done zombies, and then you picked... I don't even remember what, but it wasn't zombies. Friday, Friday the 13th. <laughs> I had just said we weren't. we haven't done it yet, and I was like, maybe we'll do it. Like... Uh, let me find out we just spent like 15 minutes on the phone doing a little pre-meeting everything was nice and cordial and Uh i didn't give you shit for doing exactly what i did last week and now you're gonna start out you're gonna start out with the sass and it's not necessary it's a new year it's a new dawn you've been off for two weeks you should be well rested and cheery you would think, but that's not what happened. Uh, so if you haven't <laughs> read the title, we're doing Night of the Living Dead, our first zombie movie. Gotta be honest, zombie is not my favorite of the genres, but I do really like this movie. Yeah, yeah I do. I really like this movie too, and um, I feel like it just gets better each time I watch it. Yeah. But like, I don't mind zombie movies. They're just like, yeah, that's. I don't even know. I don't even think it would cop top. Um, I don't even think it would crack top three yeah. for my favorite like subgenres when it comes to it. Um, oh, and it was so overdone. I, I mean, Walking Dead blew up, and I watched that for the first you know six seven years until I got burnt out on same. it. Same. <clears throat> and I, I mean, I liked some of them. Here. I like Planet Terror, which isn't one hundred percent zombie, but it's close enough. And Zombieland well, no, that's is fun. What's messed up. But yeah. It's a lot of fun, and that's what really sucks, too, is I didn't actually... I bought the Grindhouse double feature, and I have still yet to watch them. Well, maybe that'll be one of my I, future ones will be Death Proof, because I love that movie. Yeah, and you've talked about it quite a bit. I know mm-hmm. I know you're a big fan. Maybe one of these days soon. I don't know what my next one's going to be, but uh, this one is available on HBO Max right now, and uh, as I'll discuss later, it's... With some copyright issues, it's kind of available just about anywhere if you dig hard enough, including yeah. like YouTube. So. Yeah, you can act. It's so I watched it on Amazon Prime, and it if you look up online, it'll tell you that it's on Shutter, mm-hmm. but it is actually not on Shutter right now. That's surprising. And so as a as of January third, as you said, HBO Max anywhere you look. It, um, Amazon Prime just it isn't on Shutter, mm. which was a bummer because that's what I wanted to watch it on. Like I, I try to watch as much as I can on there, um, just to kind of support the app. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't on there. Uh, for those that haven't watched so. it yet, a ragtag group of Pennsylvanians barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a bloodthirsty, flesh-eating breed. Of monsters who are ravaging the east coast of the United States. And mm-hmm. what's, in- and what's interesting is this movie, it, it's not the first zombie movie, 
I thought it was mm-hmm. for a little bit, but I kind of did some digging, and there was a movie called White Zombie in the 30s. But yeah. it is the first to really kind of lay a lot of the groundwork for what we know of as zombies. Mm-hmm. But the the name zombie wasn't really a thing, and so throughout the movie, they're called ghouls. They're not even referred to yeah. as zombies at all. Well, and that was the thing, too, like, watching this movie and... It just kind of made me, and the funny thing is this has nothing to do with zombie, but it just kind of made me kind of come to the conclusion, I'm not a big fan of the word flesh. There's just some, like, it's never used in <laughs> Like some in people a, in moist? Yeah, well, I'm not a big fan of that word either, but, like, I've, I've been kind of berated at work for, like, saying that I'm not a fan of that, and they're like, how can you hate that word? It's just a word. It's like, shut up. Okay. There's a lot but of people like, yeah, like when, that. Whenever it's, it's, it's strange, but, you know, I'll certainly give you is. crap for it tomorrow when I see you. I'm sure you will. But, <laughs> like, it's just, it's weird because it's like flesh is never used unless it's, like, being ripped off of somebody's body or, yeah, so you know, like some sort of dismemberment. horrible way to do it. Otherwise, yeah, it's skin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Skin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, directed by George A. Romero, screenplay by George A. Romero and John Russo. It stars mm-hmm. John Ru- oh wait, uh, Judith Odia, Dwayne Jones, Marilyn Eastman, Carl Hardman, Judith Ridley, Dick. and Keith Wayne. Hmm? Which uh, I said Dick? Dick. Fucking Harry Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> Carl he Hardman. He may appear <laughs> on my scorecard. Hard to say though. Uh, it's. I can't imagine him not being on there. If we're gonna be well, honest. I mean, you definitely see all of the early tropes. It's like watching Halloween. Like, it's the trendsetter that every movie or show in the subgenre of zombies copied. Mm-hmm. And you have the stereotypical savior, the jerk, the kid in trouble, the hysterical woman. The no-nonsense other woman that's, you know, it's all of those beats. The the crafty guy who's good at driving whatever needs to be driven at that particular moment. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it was released you. October 1st, 1968 with a budget of $114,000 and a box office of $30 million, Which Goodness. is pretty nuts. And I'd, yeah, I'm assuming that includes all. all the re-releases and screenings and, you know, over the last 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, Romero directed and produced television commercials and industrial films for the latent image in the 1960s, a company he co-founded with friends John Russo and Russell Steiner. The trio grew bored making commercials and wanted to film a horror movie during this period. They wanted to capitalize on the film industry's, quote, thirst for the bizarre, according to Romero. Oh, I like the sound of that. How bizarre. How bizarre. (laughs) I kind of, like, in watching this movie, like, I kind of wish I would have been alive, even though this movie is 1968. Mm Mm-hmm. Like six years before Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like it, this watching this movie feels a lot older 
than almost hitting the 70s. Well, it's like, the you're, black like, and white. Watching this, well, yeah, but I it mean, kind of, like the 50s thing, like when they show it on TV, like it mm-hmm. just, it feels a lot older than it is. And I, I it makes me wish that I had been alive during the time when they did more of that on TV. Like, well, your Halloween horror specials and stuff like that yeah. that sadly is no longer here. Well, Joe Bob does it on Shudder, but that's not the same. Right. I was going to save this for when we actually talk about the movie, but, I mean, that's the thing that you kind of notice immediately is the style and pacing, and the music is fairly operatic, and it's black and white and grainy, and it's mm-hmm. slow, but it's done in the 60s, so it speeds up, you know, pretty quick towards the end and when everything ramps up it's actually quite thrilling and, and scary so it, it almost feels mm-hmm. like an old school you know universal horrors kind of movie mixed with the versioning you know texas chainsaw halloween of it all right yeah that's not a bad like it would fit in it like really well in that scope yeah uh, let's see. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, he and Steiner contacted Carl Hardman and Marilyn Eastman, president and vice president, respectively, of a Pittsburgh-based industrial film firm called Hardman Associates, Inc. They pitched their idea for a then-untitled horror film. A production company conceived by Romero called Image 10 was formed, which included Romero, Russo, Steiner, Hardman, and Eastman. The initial budget was $6,000, with the ten members of the production company investing six hundred each for a share of the profits. Another ten investors <laughs> were found when another six thousand was required, uh, but this was also f- soon found to be inadequate. Image hmm. ten eventually raised approximately hundred and fourteen thousand for the budget, which is about eight hundred and thirty eight thousand today. That's crazy because like if you would have told me they moved, made this movie on six thousand dollars, I almost would have been inclined to believe you. Well, yeah, I mean it's aside from you know like the graveyard, it's really mm-hmm. just the house and the yard in front of yeah. the house, and there's you know quite a few extras towards the end with all the ghouls, but yeah, I mean it's really just uh, six seven people in a house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess. Sorry, I, I, I thought I was going to have something more to expand on that, and I, I didn't, so sorry. What? Um, <laughs> but, but even still, like, they made this movie for half of what they made Halloween with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like, I would never even, like, I, 114,000 estimated still seems really high, but, you know... $300,000 for Halloween seems high, too, so... Yeah. What do I know about budgeting? Not a goddamn thing. Well, I mean, it, it <laughs> depends on the state you film in. It depends on how high a caliber the actors you need. I mean, it's... How many different... Lo- There's a lot more locations in Halloween than mm, there are yeah. in this. So, I mean, I'm trying to see... Yeah, I'm looking up some of the... Um, let's look it up some of the... Uh, cast members to kind of see what they've been in Hmm. and even judith o'day is 
um, she's still going strong. Like she, hmm. she had something that came out in 2020. She played Barbara. She's rumored to be playing Augusta Gein in Ed Gein DDS, whatever the hell that is. Night of the Living <laughs> Dead Genesis is filming. Like oh, she nice. out there still kicking. I mean, born in 1945 not to derail too much but just like i was trying to be like you know who's the um betsy palmer of the group you know what i mean like who or the or the um donald pleasance i'm gonna yeah donald pleasance or god what the fuck was his name ed ed some was it ed something um from texas chainsaw massacre Mm. you know what i mean i mean we get the point but like um I was just trying to see who that was, and I was like, oh, shit, she's still going strong. That's cool. I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-written Please. as a horror comedy by John Russo and George A. Romero under the, t- the title Monster Flick, an early screenplay draft concerned the exploits of adolescent aliens who visit Earth and befriend human teenagers. So, quite a bit of difference. Hmm. A second version yeah. of the script featured a young man who runs away from home and discovers rotting human corpses that aliens use for food scattered across a meadow. Oh, how fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russo came up with the concept that they would be the recently dead only because they could not afford to bring long dead people out of their graves. He also came up with the idea that they would be, quote, flesh eaters. The final draft written mm-hmm. mainly by Russo during three days in 1967 focused on reanimated human corpses. Romero refers to them as ghouls that consume the flesh of the living. So that's kind of crazy, too, because um, talking about how... I mean, it makes much more sense. It'd be a lot cheaper to have them be recently animated opposed to, like, Walking Dead, where they're quite decomposed and... Mm -hmm. um, like that's just a lot more work, and so I was like, you know, just for shits, I'll I'll Google and look up and see. So it's estimated that the budget per episode for The Walking Dead is three point four million per episode. That sounds right. Um, it, well, it does sound right, but I mean, it, that's also because it's like, you know, different states of <laughs> zombies. Like, obviously, it wouldn't be that much expensive if they were just putting freshly raised ghouls out of the ground like yeah well it's also you know know 50 plus years of inflation and how much things cost now and they're you know yeah 15 plus seasons in so everybody's contract is a lot more so than it used (laughs) to be fuck you pay me (laughs) pretty much give me my own movies in a 1997 right. interview with the BBC's Forbidden Weekend, Romero explained that the script developed into a three-part short story. Part one became Night of the Living Dead, sequels Dawn of the Dead in 1978, and Day of the Dead in 1985 were adapted from the two remaining parts. Fun. Uh, Russo and Romero revised... Uh, huh? No, I was just going to... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, fun fact... Uh, three point four million dollars in nineteen sixty eight would be equivalent to seven point six million dollars. Mm. Not, not that it matters, but <laughs> yeah. it's not <laughs> a, a huge gap. But you know, it's well, no, it's, I mean, almost double. Yeah. Continue. Uh, sorry, Russo and Romero revised the screenplay while filming, according to lead actress Judith Odea. Uh, much of the dialogue was improvised. She told an interviewer. 
Quote, I don't know if there was an actual working script. We would go over what basically had to be done, then just did it the way we each felt it should be done. Which makes mm. sense. Uh, scenes were yeah, filmed. I c- go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, for the most part, there's not really a whole lot going on until she meets Ben. And even mm-hmm. still until, you know, they come out of the out of the uh, cellar, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, it it wouldn't surprise me that they would need, like, a super in-depth script up to that point. Well, yeah, and even so, I mean, you really, it's just reaction to horrible things going on. And it's, yeah. So. Scenes were filmed near Evans City, Pennsylvania, 30 miles north of Pittsburgh in rural Butler County. The opening sequence was shot at the Evans City Cemetery on Franklin Road, south of the borough. The cemetery chapel was under warrant for demolition. However, Gary R. Steiner led a successful effort to raise $50,000 to restore the building. Hmm. The outdoor-indoor downstairs and basement scenes were filmed at a location northeast of Evans City near a park. The basement door external view shown in the film was cut into a wall by the production team and led nowhere. As this house was scheduled for demolition, damage during filming was permitted. The site is now a turf farm. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, like, like with as much as they tried to do to save a lot of these... Like, could you imagine if they would have been able to save, like, that house? Mm-hmm. Like, what they did with the Halloween house or the... Um, the Texas Chainsaw House or turning the gas station into like a barbecue joint. Like, like it's just sad when like old relics fall by the wayside, I guess. Well, that's the problem. I mean, so many of these things, especially that were made so long ago, they were, they just made the movies. There wasn't this big following like there is today. And so it was like, okay, we do this project and you know, a year later we'll never talk about it again. You know, no one knew this oh, would yeah, be the 100. foundation for the subgenre of zombie for all of horror. Right, and, like, that makes 100% sense. Like, I get that. It's just, yeah. it's, hindsight's a bitch. It always is. It's like, mm-hmm. well, of course they're not thinking about being like, you know, this is going to be big someday. Let's go ahead and try to save this place. It's mm-hmm. like, get it done for as much, for as little money as you can, and then call it good. Yeah. Props and special effects were fairly simple and limited by the budget. The blood, for example, was Bosco chocolate syrup drizzled over cast members' bodies. Consumed flesh consisted of roasted ham and entrails donated by one of the actors who also owned a chain of butcher shops. Nice! I was wondering about that because when they were showing... Um, like one of the scenes, um, where it showed, uh, what was it after the truck exploded and yeah, they're, eating they're talking about them eating. Yeah. Like one of them, like, okay, I get the ham and that's cool that there were uh, real entrails and all that. But mm-hmm. like there was one where it looked like the dude was eating a raw liver and it actually, I was like, cool. Oh my God, that's uncooked something. <laughs> like there's no way that that's a piece of ham. Well, I would assume yeah, it, that's was, crazy. it might have been a liver. I mean, if it all came from butcher shops, and I don't know how safe right, a raw liver like, is, but they didn't care back mm, in the 60s. I guess not. No. Costume consider, <sighs> consisted of secondhand clothing from cast members and Goodwill. 
Zombie makeup varied during the film. Initially, makeup was limited to white skin and black with blackened eyes, but as filming progressed, uh, mortician's wax was used to simulate wounds and decaying flesh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the small-budget led Romero to shoot on 35mm black-and-white film. The completed film ultimately benefited from the decision as film historians Joseph Madry describes the black-and-white filming as guerrilla-style, resembling the unflinching authority of a wartime newsreel. Madry adds, It seems as much like a documentary on the loss of social stability as an exploitation film. Ooh. Well, you know, I... Yeah, there was a few times watching that movie, and I'm like, God, this is... Like, it's really well, like, shot. Yeah. And so, like, when they're, like, the different angles and all that kind of stuff, like, God, like I said it, like, earlier, it, it doesn't, like, 1968, like, yeah, it's the 60s, but, like, that's damn near the 70s, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, it... You can throw a rock and hit the 70s it, with it. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's that old, so, like, when you're watching this movie, you're like, God, this looks like something from the 40s, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is fucking done really well, Yeah, and you're like, okay, it's like... That separation, like, I can't seem to... I just can't get over it, because it... It does. It feels so much older than it is. Well, I mean, that's... That's why these things, you know, have gained the status that they have. You know, they... You get Mm -hmm. someone as talented as Romero behind the camera doing this stuff. And the actors... It transcends. Yeah, it, it... You just catch that magic. And not every actor... You know, I wasn't crazy about some of the things Barbara said and did, but... (laughs) <laughs> there, no. There's enough there, especially Ben, that carry the movie mm-hmm. into making it great. So you're saying you're not a big fan of uh, Barb's Barbara's like cotton, you know, deer in the headlights look, eighty percent of the movie. I am, and I'm not. <laughs> she, well, we can talk like about it more during the nothing. actual movie, but I didn't mm-hmm. like it the first time. But watching it today, I was like, you know, I get because she's in shock. Yeah. The only thing that bothers me about it is the things that other people dealt with before they got <laughs> to the house and how well they're coping sure. compared to her. Yeah. You know, and, that's you know, fine. That like kind you of said, we'll get to it when we get into it. But... But yeah. For someone playing that they're in shock, I thought she actually did really well. She was yeah, just kind of irritating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, upon completion of post-production, Image 10 found it difficult to secure a distributor willing to show the film with the gruesome scenes intact. Columbia and American International Pictures declined after requests to soften it and reshoot the final scene were rejected by producers. The Manhattan-based mm-hmm. Walter Reed's organization agreed to show the film uncensored, but changed the title from Night of the Flesh Eaters to Night of the Living Dead because a film had already been produced under a similar title to the former. Oh, <laughs> okay. It's just, it's weird how that kind of stuff works out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we had some random movie or show that already had that name, so they came up with something infinitely better just because they didn't have a choice. Oh, yeah. And it ends up being way better. Like, I mean... Sure, Night of the Flesh Eaters sounds cool and all. Yeah, but but I'm like that's kind of like Living Dead is just perfect. It, it, you can't sum it up any better than that. Cause it's mm. essentially just like naming the movie Halloween. Yeah, like 
or black christmas like we just did like yeah it just works it doesn't get much better better than that Mm -hmm. despite the controversy five years after the premiere uh paul mccullough is how i'm gonna say that of take one observed that night of the living dead was the quote most profitable horror film ever produced outside the walls of a major studio the film had earned between Hmm. 12 and 15 million at the u.s box office after a decade it was yeah it was translated into more than 25 languages and uh, released across europe canada and australia night of the living dead grossed 30 million internationally and the wall street journal reported that it was the top grossing film in europe in 1969 hell yeah yeah in 2008 the film was ranked by empire uh, number 397 of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Not just horror movies, Ooh. but all movies of all, all time. <laughs> all time. Yeah. Nice. Uh, New York Times placed the film on their best 1,000 movies ever list. In January 2010. <laughs> okay, sweet. Hmm? I said, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, January 2010, total film included it on their list of the 100 greatest movies of all time, Rolling Stones named it uh, one of the 100 Maverick movies in the last 100 years, and Reader's Digest found it to be the 12th scariest movie of all time. Wow. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, and I've said it countless times, and I'll say it countless times again, if there was one thing that I could have... I would love to be able to watch each one of these movies under a bl- with blinders on with just being able to experience it in itself and not, you know, with the wealth of all the other <clears throat> movies we've seen. 100% that. Like, you know, like watching well, Halloween or watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like watching these movies that kind of set the precedent for it, you know, Black Christmas. Like, I would love to have been able to have been like, oh, sweet, it's 1974, let's watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything else before, and it would just be, it would be crazy. Like that, that is one of the things I, I was would, thinking of while I was watching it today. I was like, okay, what would it be like in 68, having never really seen a zombie movie, mm-hmm. and, you know, processing the idea of these people coming back to life and the slow buildup of revealing... That they're not just people going crazy, they're the dead coming back to life and eating people. And that scene right. when they eat the couple is creepy as shit. I mean, it really is yeah. gross. Mm-hmm. It sucks. You're like, oh, man, on top of the fact that that shouldn't have happened to begin with, Yeah. the next thing you're just seeing them like, cool, okay, this guy just peeled some skin off the hand, you know, they're eating meat off the bone, like, mm-hmm. all right. Just another day now. Wow. Yeah, two- pretty much. Oh, wait, I already did that. Uh, Night of the Living Dead was awarded two distinguished honors decades after its debut. The Library of Congress added the film to the National Film Registry in 1999, with other films deemed, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. In 2001, the film was ranked number 93 by the American Film Institute on their AFI's 100 Years 100 Thrills list. And the Chicago Film Critics Association named it the fifth scariest film ever made. The film was also ranked number nine on Bravo's 100 Scariest Movies, Movie Moments. 
Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the ending is damn near perfect. And we'll talk about it here in a sec, because I don't have a lot of fun facts. Yes, we will. Like, this movie for me is... The reason I wanted to do it was the ending. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. This was the first... We're into fun facts now for you uh, keeping track. The... This was the mm-hmm. first film ever filmed in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? That's what it said. All of this is according Holy to shit, IMDb, okay. so if it's wrong, blame them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. N- Night of blame Living them. Dead was the first feature-length film directed by George A. Romero. His initial work involved filming shorts for Pittsburgh public broadcasters WQED's children's series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Ooh, what a deviation. <laughs> But so close. I mean, those creepy like, sweaters. They're like, you're like, you did. What else did you do? Oh, sure. That fits <laughs> that right in. Yeah. The <laughs> MPAA film rating system was not in place until November of 1968, so even young children were able to purchase tickets. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like I said, I wish I would have been able to watch this movie in 1968. I don't know. I mean, um, my mom was fucking six when this movie came out, <laughs> so that she could have went and saw it. Maybe she did. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Night of the Living <laughs> Dead entered the public domain in the U.S. because the original theatrical distributor, the Walter Reed Organization, failed to place a copyright indication on the prints. Because Night of the Living Dead was not copyrighted, it has received numerous home video releases on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. As of 2019, Amazon lists editions of Night of the Living Dead numbering 13 on VHS, 130 on DVD, 12 on Blu-ray, 1 on Blu-ray 3D, and 56 on Amazon Video. The original film is available to view or download for free on various websites, uh, such as the Internet Archive and YouTube. As of March 2019... It is the Internet Archive's most downloaded film with over 3.1 million downloads. Shit. So like I said, if you don't have HBO Max or Amazon Prime, you can get a copy pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't own this one, and I I know that I should. Yeah, Um, I almost bought it Like I said, I just... um, Fun fact, before you dive into your fun facts, Mm -hmm. this was, it was, we did a horror movie night in our, um, in the podcast Discord page, um, or Discord server. Um, It was actually, we watched this and Psycho. So, I mean, it's been probably like six months, but yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we we popped in, we watched um, Psycho, and then we watched this, and then... There's only a couple people left, so I think we end up watching Shazam. <laughs> so <she> like it <laughs> was like it was close. like the people that Yeah, like <laughs> the people that were in there were like my friends. Like hmm. we have so yet was, to get anybody like Yeah, it was like they were like going through like fuck, put on Shazam. I was like, all right. Like we haven't had anybody like who listens to the show and it's like, hey, let's I want to be a part of one of those. You know, that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Which, if you want to, please let me know because I am more than willing to fucking fire up a movie. Yeah. Maybe even maybe maybe even drag Justin's ass into one of them. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Uh, perhaps, but it's a lot of fun. If you haven't, if you haven't been to one or been a part of one, 
watch parties are the shit. Yeah. I think I, I checked in on one once. That was it was fun. Yeah, you did. Yeah, because I I tried to do one on Facebook before the copyrighted yeah. music in the move in the movie kicked me off eight minutes mm-hmm. in. Yeah, that's what I get for doing Halloween. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, my mm-hmm. last one before we get into the thing. In February 2020, Netflix revealed that it uh, responded to a German request in 2017 to remove the film from its service in that country because, as stated in their report, a version of the film is banned in that country. Yeah, I saw that when I was googling, uh, when I was googling Night of the Living Dead, and it's all, um, it was talking, one of the automated responses that popped up, or um, was that it was banned. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what about this movie could get it banned? Like, uh, well, but that's I mean, the thing, I mean, it, at the if time, you put it in the context of 1968, it's pretty gross. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. And if I remember right, even just having, I don't remember the actor's name that played Ben, but having an African-American lead at the time was also, oh. you know, not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it right. was, it's no, actually that, historically important that he was the lead of the film. Yeah, uh, 100%. And not to mention, like, so Ben was portrayed, he was Dwayne Jones. Dwayne Jones. Dwayne Jones, and it said, cult figure who will be forever, or no, sorry, cult figure who will forever be remembered as Ben. Um, he was a former English professor, uh, not to get too far into the thing, um, but yeah, so he had been in a, a few other films, nothing that's really, oh, not really a whole lot, actually. So Night of the Living Dead, uh, Ganja and Hess, which was another movie that popped up while... Um, of um horror movies when i was trying to find something um mm-hmm. just he passed away in 1988 and he did what two four six nine movies Damn. so oh shit so he he played dr hess green sorry in ganja and hess and then he played he reprised that role uncredited in a movie called black vampire in 1988 so not to go too far away from it, but yes, that's super, um, super important. Before mm-hmm. you get back into it, he had a personal quote about it saying, it never occurred to me that I was hired because I was black, but it did occur to me that because I was black, it would give me a different historic element to the film. Yeah. And that it did. Well, and that's, I mean, even Romero said... And I don't remember what... I think I was watching History of Horror on Shudder. Uh-huh. And he was like... He, he was cast because he was the best for the role. Which, when you right. watch it, like he is the best part of that movie. 100% the best part of that movie. Yeah, but it just happens that he was African American and therefore it becomes even more significant than it already would have been. You know, just right. because. Yeah, he... He 100% crushes every part of that movie. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts throwing hands on Harry, I'm like, get that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, good for you. Okay. No. Um, so we're going to do things a little bit differently from now on. At least that's the goal. Um, in the Are past, we? we've really gone sort of beat for beat in the movie. And even though Brandon mm-hmm. says I didn't fully succeed in that this time, the goal is to have 
six or so talking points for each movie. That way we can have more of a discussion. And we give you more right. of a reason to actually go watch the movie instead of us just telling you every single step that every character takes. Right. So, yeah, you go back and you watch, or sorry, that you go back and listen to any of the episodes. Uh, shit, I believe we've done, we're closing in on, I believe, 50 mm-hmm. now, which is crazy because we've been doing this for a year and a half. Yeah. But um, you go back and listen to any one of our episodes and, I feel like we did a good we would do a good enough job explaining it that we wouldn't have to um sorry, either. Yeah. I'm waiting for you to finish your sentence. Holy shit, hold on. Hold on. Uh, sorry about that. For some reason my phone went into speaker mode and I couldn't hear you. That's because nice I was talking. And well no, but I mean like so when I, I could hear like this little white noise almost hmm. so that I could hear you, but that disappeared. So I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Cause I turned my wifi off. Hmm. Um, but like you'd go back and listen to any one of our episodes back in the day and we would go beat for beat. We would talk about that movie almost to the point to where you wouldn't even need to watch it. I feel like we would yeah. go that in depth on it. And we are really trying to get away from that. And as I said before, Justin did kind of run me through the ringer on my note-taking on it, mm-hmm. even though I did have a reason. Like, it wasn't necessarily beat for beat, but it was more for, like, to jog Jogging my memory, memory just in case. Yeah, you yeah. know, and so um, we'll get there. Yeah. We're not getting any feedback on what <laughs> what necessarily is, you know, Good a preference on, on how we do it, even though numbers are, are trending in a decent direction. So thank you guys for that. Definitely. I think we're upwards of about, I think what, 50 per episode, which <laughs> is no groundbreaking number, but good goddamn, that's yeah, crazy for us. For something that started in my basement and hasn't moved far past it, I'll take it. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait to get back in your fucking basement, dude. It's changed a lot since the like, last time you were here. I believe it. And, like, don't get me wrong, this is easy. I like mm-hmm. being able to sit in my garage and talk. Sure. But, like, I'm, I miss the, the the human element of being able to look you in the eyes when I talk shit to you. Oh, that's sweet. Oh. I got a new desk chair, <laughs> so we'll both have nice chairs. God damn it. You know what? <laughs> don't even tell me that, man, because all it's like, yeah, you can come over in another seven months. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All so right, already, enough of us. Hmm? No, I was going to say, enough of us. Let's get back to the yeah. what matters. Uh, we already touched on this, but, you know, the black and white creepiness. And mm-hmm. I love the uh, the lines from Johnny in the cemetery when he's saying, they're coming to get you, Barbara. It's just... Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Like... He's not so much a jerk that you necessarily want to see him die first, but he also kind of is. Yeah, and well... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's okay. your point. I'll expand afterwards. And the overtones of they're coming to get you, and then the first ghoul shows up and starts attacking them, and then she makes it to the house, and more ghouls show up, like, he really kind of sets the tone for the movie of they're coming to get you. 
And right. you know, we we probably won't go as deep and cultural and impactful as you know what this film you know may be saying or whatever, but there are definitely implications to draw from this movie and the hordes of ghouls and how people see other people and deal with people in panic situations like Dickhead Harry. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it sets a weird tone and his creepy delivery is just awesome. Right. Well, what I, w- I was going to kind of touch on it there for a minute, too, because it's like the way that he oops, I mean, to bump my mic there um, when he's saying that and it's after he sees the guy kind of not necessarily stumbling. It's not as obvious at that point. Yeah. Um, but when he starts doing that and it's like, oh, you know, they're going to get you. And it's almost like, well who's they why are you is he talking about like i know that it's like you said setting the tone but like the zombie thing wasn't exactly announced at that point right so is he like like what i don't know like what started the referencing of that i think he was just being a dick and trying to creep her out right but i mean like the reason why i say that because it's like i don't get what he like I don't know. I guess I know. <laughs> we could keep I, going I back and forth. In, in a newer version of that movie, they could point to her being paranoid about people mm, from the beginning. Yeah. Right. Because I, I do so, think that that is kind of one of the, whether it's a racial thing or whatever, one of the themes is the idea of us versus them. And the different being scary and you know the idea of this faceless horde you know coming to attack you especially mm-hmm. given the the time frame when this was made you know it's yeah. but i you know it it's a weird line even though it might be my favorite line of the movie it's mm-hmm. you know if you really want to examine it yeah it doesn't make sense in the time but it fits perfectly. No, I was just making sure, like, it, well, it's not exactly a secret that you, if you listen to our show for a little bit of time, that Justin will generally catch on or notice things that I don't. And so um, I kind of was wondering if there was something that you had saw or that you knew that I didn't quite pick up on at that point. That's all that was. I don't, um, I don't think Real so. quick. Hmm. So... I was looking, I've just been looking at, um, going through the IMDb list here. And the funny thing is, and of course it being done by John Russo, wrote and directed, but Santa Claus is a B-horror, it's a B-horror movie actress is being claimed, like chased by, oh, geez, it says 1996. I'm sorry. I was just looking through like Marilyn, uh, Marilyn Eastman, and Carl Hardman, like a bunch of these people from Night of the Living Dead are in this huh. <laughs> um, movie called Santa Claus that looks like it's from the 80s, but it was done in 96. So, like, you, I look at some One of the productions or some of the B flasher, slashers. Oh, yes. Because it's like this came out the same year as Scream did, and you can definitely tell <laughs> there's a big old difference. Hmm. Um, but I yeah, sorry, that just kind of stood up. Yeah, I was just kind of looking. I'm, I'm clicking on different people's names. And I'm like, oh wow, there's a lot of people that showed up in Santa Claus. 
the Sandler Tarantino what? effect of reusing the same people all the time? Apparently. Goes all the way back to the 60s. So we get our first uh, shot at a, a zombie or a ghoul, and he's fairly aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's, he can move fast when he wants to, and he's smart enough to pick up a rock when Barbara uh, runs into the car. He's smart enough to pick up a rock and smash open the window. And I, right. I talked to our friend Patrick about this series, and apparently later on there's a zombie that even learns to use a gun. Oh, Not great. well, but like he picks one up and shoots people with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I wanted to, as for, you know, going more uh, discussion on this, do you prefer a fast zombie or a slow zombie? Um, I So I myself, and if you, the listener, have a preference and you'd like to expand upon it, please do. We Indeed. have several social medias that we'll list at the end of the at the end of the episode. If you don't know them already, we would love to have a. We'd love to be able to be like, hey, we have enough people who want to comment on the last episode that we'll have a segment in the next episode going over comments. I know Justin has experience of that with his old show. Mm-hmm. Um, like if yeah, if you have a preference on fast or slow zombies, I would love to hear it. Um, Definitely. Well, yeah, we would. So, in my own personal preference, I honestly don't think that I have one because a a slow and a fast zombie is incredibly terrifying for the same reason. So, like, if you are being chased by a slow zombie, it's creepy because it's like, it's the Michael Myers effect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, no matter how far away you get, he's always right there. Right. But, like, you watch 28 Days Later or 28 weeks later, and you're being chased by a sprinting zombie that runs faster than you can, you're like, oh, you know, one's like, one's terrifying and one's absolutely frightening. It's like, which which one do you go with? I don't really think I have an answer on that because they're both scary in their own right. I think I'd have to go, I think I would have to go fast zombies because that just adds an element. It kind of like World War Z, like, where they can you like just climb on each other and all of a sudden they're able to get over a giant wall. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, think it's a, really a, just a sort smar- of the, the the fear of what kind of spread is more terrifying. The idea of something that is slow moving that yeah you could outrun for now but will eventually engulf you. Like you can't escape mm-hmm. it because it will just grow in mass over time. Right. Or the fast, which is, you're just screwed. I mean, you might as well just sit there and let it happen because you're not going to outrun it. <laughs> what is it, rule number one, uh, cardio? Yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> or something like that. Like, even still, like, you could be a world cl- uh, world-class sprinter, but I don't really think that there's rules when it comes to zombies a whole lot. So, like, even Usain Bolt mm-hmm. will, you know, run out of breath eventually. Right. Like, if you're dead, is that possible? Or can you just, is it, like, relentless, unstoppable, I can run all, you know, nonstop? Like, I, th- I would assume it, so. And I think that's my only real hiccup with fast versus slow is, like, how long they've been dead. Because mm-hmm. something that's that decayed wouldn't be able to move that fast. 
So I would right. actually, and I think the best case scenario would be a mixture of both. Like if recently deceased, you're activating the brain to move the muscles. Mm-hmm. And if they're still well intact, they can be supercharged to move faster. Whereas something that's been right. you know, in the ground for well, 10 years would barely move at all. Right. And I mean, think about it like this, like obviously 100% depends on the body beforehand. So like if I died and I'm somewhat fresh, like I'm obviously, I'm a big guy. I'm not Mm -hmm. going out and I'm not going to be able to chase you down. You know what I mean? But like you get those athletic fucks that are out there and all of a sudden you're like, oh, why couldn't (laughs) have been the fat guy? Son of a bitch. (laughs) Why didn't I get the couch Uh, potato zombie? I had to get the Olympic athlete zombie. That's just not fair. (laughs) Um, before we get on to the next thing though, but it's when you, when I was reading your question about that, and I believe it's 28 weeks later, but there's a scene where I want to say that people are kind of running through a field and then all of a sudden you just see these zombies just sprinting at you full speed. That's the thing that popped into my head Hmm. when I read that. And so I'm like, yeah, I think I would have to go, um, I think I'd have to go, uh, fast zombies just because. Yeah, you can't get away from that. Yeah. My my only other real hiccup with this is when they start using tools, like when he picks up the rock to smash the window, mm-hmm. and like in the sequels when one uses a gun, it's like, okay, how much are they actually being reanimated to the point where they know what they're doing or are able to actually think for themselves? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's... There's a- I mean, it's a gray area, and you can do whatever you want, and Romero, of course, has, but that's one of the things that I kind of bump with, is, okay, if they're just dead lumps of meat that are being recharged by whatever... Yeah, just dead enough. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have the wherewithal to use tools, or open right. doors, and that's the thing. or whatever. I really feel like you can't... It's got to be one or the other, man. Like, you can't have... A fast zombie that's smart. Right. Like the whole concept of a zombie is, you know, mindless, uh, you know, just don't get caught. But like if you take into account the fact that they can think enough to be like, oh, if I pick up this rock and they they picked up a rock, I believe it was again later in the movie too, when trying to get into the house. Yeah. Like you add in a factor of thought process and that's just like, well, that's not fair. Yeah, it's not really <laughs> You know a what zombie. I mean? Like, it's just... It's just a, yeah. It's like, it's a slow-moving cannibal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, unless you're in 28 Days Later and then you have a sprinting cannibal and it's like, okay, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, so Ben right. takes charge almost immediately, which is awesome. Rightfully so. Yeah, and he's essentially just trying to make sure Barbara doesn't crack and doesn't mm-hmm. get in the way too much. What? And that's the thing, and we talked about it earlier, but it's like I like the idea that she's in shock. Yeah. I, I don't think enough really happened to where she should be that traumatized. Because, I mean, for all she no, knows, Johnny's still alive. Yeah, she, she didn't. And that's the thing is that like we don't exactly know what the zombies 
are after because if it was walking dead as soon as Johnny fell to the ground and hit his head on the on the headstone mm-hmm. he he they, like the zombie would have stopped paying attention to Barbara and started eating Johnny mm-hmm. but like the, but that ghoul kind of pushes himself up off of Johnny and starts moving towards her so like if maybe Johnny gets up later and then, you know, gets killed, that's a different story. But, like, as soon as he went down to the ground, unless he died from hitting his head. Which is, is you know, that's probably all, what happened. It would have had to have happened because I've never, like, generally when you see something in film where, you know, head traumas, they don't necessarily, they're not, they're not always instantly fatal. Mm-hmm. But, like... It's something you could think about being like, oh, well, he he died. That's why the zombie got up and went after Barbara. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, again, this is defining the, the traits of the zombie movie, and it leads into the next point, which was the, the radio and TV coverage of what was going on out there. There's really no clear defined, this is what a zombie is for this no, movie. It's, it's just casting a net and saying, these are some of the things that are happening and may eventually be what we think of as zombie. Right, which is one of my favorite things about the movie, too, is the incorporation of the radio and the TV and, like, you know, this is what's going on. Like, I'm trying to remember what exactly it's reminding me of because I feel like there's another... Sure, the radio and Walking Dead, but, like, there's... I want to say that there, there was a movie that I saw where they were being... Was it a quiet place? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't watched Quiet Place in like, quite a while, but I mean, a big part of that is noises, death. So I wouldn't think there'd be a radio with updates, but I'm trying. Yeah, I, I mean that makes sense. But moving on, sorry. Anyway. There, like I had a thought, and it was just I wanted to say that there was like I liked that the fact that they were using the radio. I mean, it was obviously a lot more prevalent back then. Yeah. But like even with being on TV and keeping things up to date, letting you know what's going on as it's happening. So War of the Worlds? Well, I mean, the original War of the Worlds was a radio play. Well, I know it was played over the radio, but yeah, we'll move on cuz I have no idea where to even throw a dart, so Fair enough. Uh, well, I mean, that's what's interesting for me is the way that their explanations sort of escalate. Because originally they're talking about these people just looking like they're in a trance and randomly murdering people. And it's mm-hmm. not until like the third or fourth update where they actually say the dead are coming back to life. And they're actually eating flesh, your favorite word. And <laughs> I didn't. God damn it. <laughs> This is what I this is what I get for putting ammo in your gun. I never said it wasn't it was not a God, I hate you so much. And the other <laughs> interesting part is they talk about uh, space experts being consulted and people from NASA and that the there was a Venus probe from NASA that uh, was brought back because it was experiencing radiation and some sort of you know weird stuff going on and perhaps that's the cause of this chemical change that is making people you know, come back to life and so know, is eat this flesh. the is this right? Is this the opposite effect of a solar flare? Because if that's the case, then I'd much rather turn into the Fantastic Four instead of a zombie. 
Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, who wouldn't want to be? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Unless or you're Ben Grimm and back. you're just a hideous rock monster forever. Obviously, you would rather have superpowers than undead eating, feel, eating people. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's a dig because you know that rock monster is my email. Um, <laughs> or even like bringing back the probe, very Venom-esque, you know, bringing back the symbiote. Mm-hmm. Off topic. Continue. It's fine. Uh, so we just. Well, hey, you wanted there's... you wanted to. I was gonna say you wanted to generate discussion. It's not my yeah, fault. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. Is, I know. Usually your tangents are grating, but they're you know our new format. That the hope is tangents and discussion. So we're we're good. Right, right. Well, I'm trying to keep the tangents as on topic as possible. Um, and if Rock it's monster, not on topic, it... monster. It's all monster. Well, no, literally for like, what was it, 14 years, Rock Monster was my uh, personal email address. I did not know that. So that, I, I thought, and I thought you did. You're like, oh. <laughs> I, I just, I'm a really flattered that you think Frankens- I know that much about you, but I, I did not know that. <laughs> well, no, I, um, back in the day, I had this uh, really cool Frankenstein shirt that... Um, it had like it was really nineties because it had it. I'm not, I'm not talking like Affliction or you know Ed Hardy level um, gaudy, but like it was like this uh, kind of Frankenstein silhouette that had uh, switchblades crossed underneath it, and it said Rock Monster. And I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard um, when I was I think twenty years old. And so that was a long time ago. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck you. <laughs> You're not, not far be behind, dickhead. with the hit song Rock Lobster, which is... Mm. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because <laughs> that was my PlayStation Network um, gamertag for a long time. And back in high school, I actually used to get called Rock Lobster because of it. So thank you for rehashing that. No problem. Sounds like you're just full of rocks. So we discover Mm. that there's a a family already hiding in the basement, um, including Dickhead Harry. Mm -hmm. And even though, of course, you get the resistance and Harry wants to stay down in the basement and uh, Ben doesn't and Barbara's just, you know, muttering aimlessly on the couch. Mm Mm-hmm. They eventually decide to come together to barricade the house and even more so to get the fuck out of Dodge, get to the truck, get to the gas pump, which goes horribly awry. Yeah, it does. But so, and that's the thing. So Ben and Barbara were upstairs. Mm-hmm. You had you had Harry and Helen, which is his wife. They were downstairs mm-hmm. with their kid who you later find out was bit, and so she's sick. And then mm-hmm. you had Tom and Judy who were downstairs, and, like, the whole, like, fucking Harry was so stubborn that he's just like, no, we need to be downstairs because it's the easiest place. They can't get in through windows, but, like, everybody else kind of realized, like, no, that's a death trap. If you get stuck down there, you're not getting out. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't and have I- the ability to escape. Yeah, and I I get what Harry's thinking. Like, if you barricade that door enough, which you Mm -hmm. technically could, 
you would be safe. Yeah, sure. You I mean, might the run Uberic- out of food and water and places to, you know, go potty. But if they hadn't had a previously bit daughter mm-hmm. and everyone was just healthy and good to go, the basement's not the worst place to be. No. I Like, I 100% get... Um, I 100% get the idea of it, but, you know, Tom was right. Like, you're literally... It, like, if those defenses fail, you're done. Yeah. Opposed well, to, I like, mean, if... With the daughter being bit, they were screwed no matter what. Well, yeah, because they they would have been like, oh, we can save her, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, like what Tom said, like, if, if they get in the house... Sure, they would have to like tear down some boards or whatnot, but they at least have the ability to maneuver and potentially escape maybe outside of a different door or window or whatever. Um, I definitely would have been in the Ben camp on this one. Yeah. As much as I would agree that, you know, Harry has a point, he really doesn't. Yeah, I was trying to, to decide what side of the fence I'd go on it's like I get the hairy point definitely but it does mm-hmm. limit your options in the long run whereas if they break through one window you can go out another yeah and if they've swarmed the house you're screwed no matter what so you know you can go upstairs you can maybe then try the basement or whatever but I agree. But the ending of this movie, which is about where we're at now uh, in my Mm -hmm. notes of things, is really where things take off for me and what made me want to do this movie in the first place. So uh, Tom and Ben go to gas up the truck. Judy, for reasons, decides to (laughs) join them. You know how long it's been since you've used the term for reasons? I know, it's been a while. I wanted to bring it back. New year, new style. Bring it back. It's good. So she joins them. Right. Mm-hmm. They shoot open the gas pump because it's locked. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you want to do. Yeah, add more sparks to gasoline. I think it's a winning combination. And we find <laughs> out that... I don't know if the shooting it did it or it's just a shitty gas pump, but without pushing any buttons, gas is just pouring out of this nozzle. Mm. Uh, yeah, if shooting anything, it would have leaked other places than the tip of the nozzle because the nozzle was inside the pump. Yeah. Um, I worked at a gas station for like five years. Um, obviously pumps are not the same now as they were in the late sixties, but, um, it'd be quite the design flaw to not have some sort of stopping from the gas erupting out of the nozzle from you taking it out of the machine. Well, so what I'm kind of wondering is if, because it was Tom who did it, so Mm -hmm. if Tom was pulling that out, if he was in, like, a hurry or he was startled, fright, obviously there's, you know, it's a high high emotion, tense situation, Mm -hmm. he probably could have just, you know, 
reached down, grabbed the pump, and just you know squeezed the handle, thusly pulling the trigger with it, just being like, boom. I, yeah. It's it wasn't out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. of being like, ah, I gotta grab the handle and uh, I'm shooting it everywhere. Uh, to then be like, oh, I'm getting Click gas off. everywhere. Wonder what's gonna happen next. Yeah, especially with a a torch that was laid on the ground <laughs> for some other dumb reason. So they light it's the a torch. torch. Yeah. You know, they spraying gas everywhere with an open torch next to a car. They decide to use the car to get away, Tom and uh, Judy do, which, you know, of course is brilliant because it's already lit on fire. Mm-hmm. And the car explodes. Yeah. And which it I didn't explodes. see coming. Uh, no, I didn't either, but it makes sense. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> like, it's what you do. Especially in older movies mm-hmm. where the physics of what actually happens when you crash cars and stuff... You know, isn't isn't yeah. quite accurate. Wait, the car just drove off a cliff into the water. <laughs> of course, it's gonna explode. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they all do. Mm-hmm. That's why I drive a Prius. Um, so well, well that's because you haven't bought a second car yet. That too. So well, you haven't needed to. Ben says, "Screw this noise," and runs back to the house. Their escape plan is officially screwed. Mm-hmm. And Harry, the great guy that he is, locks Ben out. Right. So, rewind just a little bit. My question to you, Justin. Yeah. hmm You are in a situation, you're being chased. Like, it doesn't have to be a zombie. Anything that gets the blood flowing, somebody's trying to steal your car from you, mm-hmm. you're with your wife at a gas station, um... Would you drive away from the gas station if your uh, rear fender and tire are on fire? I would like or, to think like, not. I know, th- and that's why I'm kind of, you know, prefacing that. It's tough you're in a because tense situation. you somebody's chasing the you and your wife. way to get away from this is drive away. Mm-hmm. Because especially this with something chasing you, you have to hope that you can outrun it, that you both can. Right. That's not happening on my end. Me either. I mean, I can run pretty fast when I want to, but not for very long. Right. This is why I carry. And that's why I, I mean, watch TV. Um, <laughs> You're like, I don't get gas anymore. I sit at home. <laughs> the Prius, I could go. Gas Instacarted to me. Yeah, I have I have a Prius. I can go seven weeks without getting gas. With you know, like I minimize my risk. It is nice. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I don't you know. Don't like I said, the, the knee jerk thing I think would be to try and drive away. But as we see, that's like, would you think, oh, I'm in a movie, therefore any sort of flame by this car is going to make it explode? Well, and th- I don't know. They at least did. Like it, it was smart though to an extent of like it didn't explode right away. Like no, well that's then like Tom got out and Judy got stuck because it's a movie and of course she got stuck and they -hmm. couldn't get away from the car fast enough. Like they realized oh shit we're in a burning car let's get out. They just couldn't. Right. Um. So 
the one thing, and I know it's a different time, and we didn't touch on it earlier. So Ben is kind of your hero of the movie, right? Right. You know, for the movie itself and for, you know, the time, like we were talking about earlier. Um, But we didn't really talk about the fact that Ben's reaction to getting slapped in the face was to cold cock fucking Barbara to the ground. I was just kind of thinking about that. I'm like, God, you know, you have Tom who got out of the car, would have lived, but then his wife was stuck, so he goes back to try to get her out, or his girlfriend, and mm-hmm. then it explodes and kills them both. Right. And as for badass as Ben was the entire movie, kind of hung up on the fact that he just socked Barbara. Like, true. did it have to be like a closed fist? Like, I'm not saying, I'm not justifying hitting anybody let alone a female in 1968 mm-hmm. but like just look at you know, any old Bond seen, movie especially the connery era. right right but i mean is he is he socking or is he slapping i don't i i thought it was a slap i i could i i maybe i i just got done watching it like two hours ago you think i would remember but i felt yeah, like I, he he kind of he kind of I, I don't remember kind of right hooked it I mean, it was definitely a smack. I mean, it was, it'd rock your socks, that's for damn sure. Right. It'd probably knock me on the ground, quite frankly. Like, he was a big dude. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I would say it's definitely worth a discussion because, one, like, I'm not an advocate for violence, especially against another person. But, like, I know it was a different time in the late 60s. Like, if I were to go and punch my wife, there would be a lot more severe consequences, uh, rightly so, than there would have been 50 years ago. Right. And the, given the situation like, of her being in hysterics and the zombie ghouls trying to get in and, you know... Yeah. Ben's trying to keep his cool and save their lives, <clears throat> but it's a fair I point. Was th- I mean, he... Right, it's... It's a it's a tricky subject because it, there's no way that you can be like, oh, she was acting crazy. He had to bring her back to her senses. Like, are you trying to get us canceled? <laughs> you know <laughs> no. what I mean? Like, there's no way that there's no way to justify it. But like, it was a beefy hit. Oh, definitely. I mean, it. it watching it, especially today, it was, it's. And even knowing it was coming, because I had seen it before, it still was like, whoa, like, he, he really gets one in there, and it's, again, I mean, it's one of those things that, in the times when these moves were made, and again, go back and watch some of the Connery era Bond, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they get away with doing things that you could never do now, and if you did, it would be so much more like in this movie it's done and they move on immediately yeah like it it didn't get yeah it definitely like didn't linger um yeah, it's I just did a, a quick... thing that happens whereas if it happened in a movie today even under the same circumstances it would have been handled completely differently right so there is an article on uh the rap.com mm-hmm. and it 
the link itself says how casting a black act uh, black actor changed Night of the Living Dead, but the the little uh, snippet that pops up it says and when Ben punches Barbara, a white woman, this before uh, Sidney Poitier's groundbreaking smack of a racist aristocrat, Larry Gates in the heat of the night. This act supplied another envelope-pushing note to the proceedings. Those scenes provoked palpable reactions in the audience of the day. And so, yeah. So it it definitely was a thing, but, like, I'm surprised that there wasn't more... um, Outcry? Well, yeah. I mean, you think about it. Like, there's a lot of things that pop up nowadays about things that, obviously, being in a different time inspire retroactive reactions Mm -hmm. um i'm surprised that i've never heard anything about that but yeah moving on i'm sorry we fucking five minutes dwelling on on a fucking smack that weren't real rightfully so but um well let's talk about a better smack that's much more earned and much more celebratory (laughs) which is when ben knocks into the house after harry locks him out and he, mm-hmm. once he secures the house again, with help from Harry, thankfully, Ben beats the shit yeah, out of him. Yeah, I was surprised when he walked over him, and did that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. Because well, that's the thing I thought I... would get a, a big reaction as well, especially at the time, as an African-American leading him. actor shooting and beating the crap out of a white guy. Mm-hmm. Like, things that had never well, been done the... before in a movie. Right, and see, that's the one thing, too, because it's like, it doesn't, like, you're watching this movie, and, like, there's a lot of times where something will will happen, and you're like, okay, it, this is definitely being, being shoehorned in, oops, I bumped my mic, uh, it's definitely being shoehorned in, mm-hmm. like, you're you're putting it in there for the sake of putting it in there, nothing in this movie, good or bad, felt out of place, No, I guess you could say, like, him... I excuse me. So when he got locked out, that was a part of the movie I'd missed because, like I was telling you before, I had a bunch of shit going on, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of because wa- I'd watched it somewhat recently. I forgot he got locked out of the house, and so yeah. when he got in there, and I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, maybe you know, Harry's gonna help him fix the door, and then get socked the fuck up, and I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, what did I miss? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm glad that you. You refresh my memory saying they yeah. got locked out of the house, but I was like, um, what it's happened? just, yeah, it didn't feel like it, like it, it felt natural. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily like race provoking. Like if in no, that and time, I think that's, you know, the, the part wasn't written for an African-American. It was just written for a man and right. I mean, I forget his name again, but he was just the best choice for that role. Race, Dwayne Jones. Yeah, didn't matter at all. So Right. And I think that's what helps make this feel more natural, feel more like it would really happen. And mm-hmm. why it's so groundbreaking is because it's just six people in a house. It's not, yeah. oh, you know, these are the women and these are the white guys these are the african-american guys these are the this it's Mm -hmm. they're just six people in a house it's just done yeah 
that's and I have to agree. That's my favorite thing about it because like I love the fact that you know Dwayne Jones was cast not because it's like okay we need to cast an African American in this role. Yeah, we weren't. They're like to we're going to cast him because he's the best choice. Whatever. Right. They're like he's the best actor for the role. Let's put him in it. And mm-hmm. and the fact, like I love that. Because it, I, I feel like it doesn't happen as much now. Like people will be like, okay, we're going to hire this person because we want to make a statement, opposed to being like, we're going to hire this person because they're the best person for that spot. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a, a slippery slope to go down, and I'm not going to do that. But like, it's just, it's really nice to hear that Dwayne was hired on his merits and not one way or gimmick. the other. Like, he, yeah, like, yeah. and that's the one thing that would be like, would like be frustrating. Like, representation is important. Yeah. Right. And if I felt like what I needed wasn't being represented, and then somebody were to be like, oh, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do this for the sake of doing it, it's like, well, that doesn't feel, that feels like you're just trying to give me something to make me happy. Like, yeah, I it's want more to see some like, legit actual inclusion. Yeah, appeasement is the word I'm looking was looking for exactly right there. But yeah, that's exactly it. Um, keep chugging along here. My next favorite. Yeah, part that got <laughs> this got a lot realer than I was expecting to. It, I know. Like I kind of thought it might. <laughs> but, um, well, no, I'm when, glad it did because it's not, it's good discussion. Yeah, when Harry gets shot and he makes it into the basement, and then um, the wife follows him down there into the basement and then we finally see that the daughter has changed again adding Mm -hmm. to the you know the staples of the zombie movie if you're bit by a zombie you turn into a zombie and you know we hear complaining about being sick and not feeling well the entire time and again having this not be a thing that was known back then about zombies I love the idea that it would shock people in that time watching this for the first time ever to go oh shit she was bit she got sick and turned into one of these things oh it set the tro like there's a reason why i believe that that became a staple because that it doesn't get like it's just i mean it's the same thing as getting bit by a vampire you turn into a vampire like right it's been done before but like holy shit yeah, like, I mean, there were no real rules for this subgenre, and so to do that had to have just blown people's minds at the time. Oh, good God. Another favorite part about this movie is that everyone dies at the end. <laughs> because, I mean, the daughter turns on the mom, Harry died. Mm-hmm from the gunshot and uh, and from being eaten by uh, the daughter and then later shot, they're both shot by uh, Ben. Um, mm-hmm. Barbara, you know, Johnny shows up at the door, which was awesome. As God, a zombie. I missed that part too. Son of a bitch. Yeah. You see his gloved hand come in and grab her and he she recognizes uh. him, you know, says Johnny or whatever. And then you see oh. him, and then she gets mm-hmm. engulfed into the swarm at the front door. 
I just got goosebumps. I'm gonna have to go back and watch like the last 15 minutes of that movie now. <laughs> yeah, the ending is fantastic, and even Ben, who you know does what Harry said all along, locks himself in the uh, basement until it's all over. When the cavalry comes in at the end, you know they're wiping out the stragglers here and there. They're making sure the ones that are dead are actually dead, and. You know, they look like just a ragtag group of rednecks, to be honest, but yeah, they see Ben. <laughs> like a militia? Yeah. One of them sees Ben through the window, and it's not really revealed whether they know, because Ben has his shotgun at the time, mm-hmm. and it's not really revealed if they know he has it or not, but he gets shot in the head through the window. Oh, like, God damn it. Yeah, I mean, our lone survivor hero ends up dying, too. And whether you want to read, you know, prejudices and racial discrimination into that at all, which, you know, Mm -hmm. is definitely, you know, there if you want it. Just the solemn fact that the guy who tried to save everybody is the one person that survived the night who's killed by the rescuers. Yeah, you're like, son of a bitch. It's just, it's an incredible ending. And then it ends almost Texas Chainsaw-like with snapshots of him being hooked and carried out of the house and put on the the burn pile. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to take over there. Sorry. Didn't mean for the dead I'm air. sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my apologies on that as well. I was just, I didn't know, I didn't know if you were teeing me up for something. I was kind of, kind of lost in your descriptions there. Yeah. Well, it's just, it is, it's a powerful ending and it's why I wanted to do this movie because it's worth watching for that alone. Like, yeah. All of that buildup is what makes the payoff so good. Mm-hmm. But just that ending alone from when they go to get gas on is just I wouldn't change anything about it right it's yeah it's once that once that hits it's just boom 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 all the way to the end so that's it for Night of the Living Dead Um, did you end up fumbling together a scorecard oh I, I had it done before we started recording okay uh, your yeah, best killer scare, then? Um, honestly, it's going to be best kills. And I love what I caught when the cavalry shows up and then you just see people just pop, 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 just dropping zombies left and right. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of kill kills going no. on. Um, I mean, Harry's was a slow burn. Like, it took a little bit. But, like, just when the cow, like, the... The militia, if you want to call it, shows up mm-hmm. and starts dropping zombies, and that that was probably my best kills. Mine Yours. is a scare, and it's when you they reveal that the little girl is a zombie. Ooh. That's the that's the creepiest part of the movie for me. I would not have guessed that. I mean, everything else is. I mean, it's groundbreaking, of course, but it is standard zombie movie. And even mm-hmm. the little girl becoming a zombie is, but the reveal of it, and then her getting that trowel thing and killing the mom, it turns into like this slasher kind of thing, and it's just yeah. awesome. 
Uh, do you want to say our most wanted to die at the same time? <laughs> yeah, and three, two, one, Harry. Harry. Yeah, We're Harry. We're a little off sync there, but it's Harry. He's we are, dick. but yeah, he's a dick. Well, that I mean, and honestly, I I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen too because obviously we're social distance recording and so when i'm like all right three two one record we never actually sync up on the record um i kind of felt like that was gonna happen here but yeah it yeah yeah harry's a fucking douchebag it's like oh man like being so prideful that you don't want to listen to what another person has to say you're like you're just stuck in your own way he reminded me almost of a real douchebag version of the dad from a Christmas story where he's just so set in his own fucking way that like nothing you can say or do is going to change any of that. And (laughs) except for obviously it takes it, you know, to the nth degree on this, but Mm -hmm. that's yeah. Uh, My Um, most wanted to live was Ben. He he deserved it. Yeah. I think the most. I agree with you 100% on that. I didn't pick Ben because, like I said, I towards the end, I had um, those friends show up to grab the uh, recliner out of my garage, and mm-hmm. I forgot that he died. Huh. I had picked Tom only because of the fact that I didn't see Ben die. <laughs> and Fair enough. when I was watching, I'm like, he just went to go back to save his girlfriend or wife. Mm-hmm. Like... I would have done the same thing, and obviously it would have cost me my life trying to save my wife. But like, sure. like he was, he was, he was kind of the voice of reason, though, because like yeah, he was, he was down like there the, with Harry, the gateway between Ben and Harry, and being the one that's mm-hmm. like, you know what, he has a point. Let's just help each other out and try and get through this. Yeah, for sure. Grossest moment. Um, I don't really have one other than that one zombie eating what looked like liver. Yeah, I was, um, mine is the eating of Tom and uh, Judy. I mean, that's yeah, the gross moment of the movie. It, it really is because, like, some of it, even when that one zombie or ghoul was eating the hand and it was kind of pulling the skin off, like, even that was so well done. And mm. you're like, oh, okay. I could, you know, I, I could dispend belief for a minute and see how that would look realistic. But dude, when that zombie had what seriously looked like a piece of fucking liver in his hand, and it takes a bite into, or yells, like, mm-hmm. "Okay, mm-hmm. yeah." Um, I, I can't wait, that's wait to hear you. I didn't yeah, have I a dumbest moment. I can't wait to hear. Really, I have two. Oh. I, I tried to think hey. of one, but quite frankly, it's like everything is so zombie movie staple now. There wasn't anything that really stuck out to me. So I kind of talked myself out of the initial one that I wrote down, which was driving the truck while it was on fire. Sure. I kind of I rationalized that in my mind. Mm-hmm. But as being somebody that, like I said, worked at a gas station for five years in my early, in my early life, mm-hmm. shooting a gas pump... It, I don't think it would do anything. Just like how when you're watching a movie and someone's smoking a cigarette and then throwing it into a puddle of gasoline, mm-hmm. I, the gasoline would more than likely put out the fire. Yeah. Unless you had a spark. It's the fumes that ignite. 
So like, right. I mean, if you throw it down and then whatever, but like shooting, shooting a gas pump in any capacity is, is just dumb <laughs> in my opinion. True. And sure. Ben's a crack shot and I'll give him the fucking the W for it. Cause that was a, that was a good shot. Cause that thing mm-hmm. popped right off. But the idea of shooting a gas, anything near a gas tank, just yeah. or, uh, gas pump. Sorry. Nope. No, thank you. That's a fair point. Yeah. Well, that is officially it. There's no special category. Uh, That's it for Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Goddamn Dead. We did it. It is done. We did it. however long Um, it took us to do that. Hour 25-ish? That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, Even though I keep bumping my mic. Sorry, when we started recording, I cracked open the proper 12. Hmm. Um, Sipping some... Some some whiskeys, but yeah, I have a grape crush. Pretty sure that's what I had last time too. It sounds familiar. Hmm. So I love grape soda. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Mm-hmm. And even I love I love strawberry soda. I do too. But even even now, like I almost too sweet because like back in the day i would drink the shit out of mountain dew and now it's like oh good god you're getting old (laughs) i am getting old but i i was um leaving fred myers with my wife the other day because i went um i bought a pair of shoes Mm -hmm. i was drinking a strawberry bubbly and I was just thinking to myself man like i love a good strawberry soda and then i cracked this thing open it smells like it like mm-hmm. the first sip, you start to taste the strawberry, and then you're like, "Oh, there it is, <laughs> you <laughs> fucking trickster!" Got the money, but shot. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Night of the Living Dead, we crushed it. Mm-hmm. I felt that w- I felt that went well. Yeah, I like this uh, new new style. Uh, let us know if yeah. you do too. If no one lets us know, we're gonna keep trying to do it. So we'll just keep experimenting i mean listens uh, apparently something's going right because people are listening um i felt like this one being night of the living dead having you know i feel uh, historical significance Mm -hmm. um in many facets like it gets real dicey when you talk about things that can be considered controversial to one side or another. Sure. Um, I felt like I felt like that was done well. Um, it could have been. It could have went a lot worse. Um, well, before yeah, we uh, pat ourselves on the back too much, let's lead ourselves <laughs> out of this. <laughs> what uh, is your next pick? So I was a little torn because we were talking about hitting all the subgenres and everything that we haven't done yet. Which, to be and fair, I, I went through and we actually have covered just about all of them. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, there's a few that we hadn't covered that we could um, say that we have, kind of. Yeah. I mean, like what we demons you can de- you can technically say amityville horror mm-hmm. um there might have been another one folk i kind of feel like troll hunter can be along the lines of folk horror-esque yeah. and that leaves that leaves nature uh shit during the summer when we cover jaws that'll cover it yeah or if we you do know, the we, birds may, if we do midsummer uh, that'll be 
folk for like sure. legit that that will definitely cover folk yeah. um back inside <laughs> it's been a minute since we had an appearance from my tiny terror do you want to <laughs> say hi yeah all right hold up say hi horror fans hi four hands <laughs> no horror fans not four hands <laughs> all right go back inside no. yeah well then sit down and be quiet god damn um, we almost made it one episode so, uh, <laughs> hey shut your mouth um so like i said there's a, a lot of things um, factors that went into my decision i wanted to do one but then i'm like oh, i should probably get away from our more mainstream horror directors mm-hmm. um you know John Carpenter's been done to death. Wes Craven is getting there. Um, so my next selection is going to be kind of a, a personal favorite of mine. I don't talk about it a whole lot, but it is the 1997 horror science fiction cult classic, in my opinion, Event Horizon. We're going to do it. Mm. I'm watching this... Woohoo! Watching this movie, I saw it in theaters. It's as it gets going, it's just it, unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like it's not super scary, but you're watching this movie and it's like, oh, what the fuck? Hmm. Okay, you I've know never what I mean. Seen like it. I've heard of it, but I've never actually seen it. So this will be an adventure mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, um, I can't wait to talk about it. Directed by uh, Paul W. S. Anderson. Um, of Resident Evil fame, which mm-hmm. is funny because we're talking about zombies this episode. Um, Decent yeah, I can't segue. wait to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, and the cast itself is is pretty decent. I mean, you got Sam Neill, you got Lawrence Fishburne, Jolie Richardson, Jason Isaacs. Like, that's just like kind of the, do- the top-billed cast. But I'll it's, it's it. a personal favorite of mine. What's that? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Like, like I said, I saw it in theaters, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to do this one. I already got my next two picked out after – I got my next one picked out after this. Dang. Obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, dates kind of did the work for me on this one, but – True. Until then, you can find us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. We have a Facebook group uh, of the same name. Uh, if you would like to be a part of that group – hold on. Maisie, Quiet. If you would like to be a part of that group, we do have a, a questionnaire. I know it sucks, but we've had nothing but a lot of people trying to join and then share like these BS live videos. We want it to be horror based. We want we want to talk horror. Yeah, I don't fans care talking if, about what they love, not selling their wares or spamming. Or, you know, because as of right now, we just have our buddy Mike, and they're just sharing horror memes mm-hmm. all day, every day, and we appreciate that. But we definitely care more about that than we do Snoop Dogg giving away a thousand dollars every minute. That Unless you know he gives what I mean? It's like me. it's not. Yeah, if that if he gave it to us, that'd be a different story. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore Pod. We are also on the Slasher app at uh, Pod and Gore Podcast. No spaces, all underscores. Um, that's kind of blown up again as a way. I haven't really been posting anything, but I think we're up to like 1,800 friends on there. Damn. 17. So, yeah, like 
if you're not on the Slasher app, we're not like sponsored or there's no affiliations or anything, but it's like Facebook, but only it's horror based. Like, it's super awesome. Um, You can email us at podandgore at gmail.com. The ways to get a hold of uh, a hold of us are infinite. Like, it's not hard. Yeah, We'd love to we'll hear from you if you do. Yeah, like I have the um, I have the email in my phone as one of the added accounts. So you send it, I see it. Um, Facebook Messenger might take a little bit more, but like, just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts, comments, concerns. Let's just. Just talk horror. That's what we're about. Um, anything you want to add before we sign out? I don't think so. Uh, just uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, we have been your hosts. My name is Justin. And my name is Brandon. And mm-hmm. we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.